Hello and welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast. I'm Neil Phillips. And I'm Victoria Hillman. Yes, Vic's here. Woohoo! Hello, I'm back. Kind of. Partially. <laughs> Mostly. Mostly. I think. Well, we've got a new special episode again for you. So, shall we start with our wildlife sightings, Vic? You can yep. go first. Okay, well, I've got kind of quite a, quite a nice one, actually. So, listeners to the podcast will have heard me say that I frequently see red kites either over my garden or when I go to and from swimming. Well, the other week when I was, was driving along that stretch of road, I actually saw eight red kites together coming over the road. So, I'm pretty sure I know where the roost is anyway. And it was just that gorgeous afternoon autumn light all the trees were in that beautiful color and these kites were just coming over in that sunlight and it was just amazing I mean I know it's birds it's not frogs but it was just amazing to see and so beautiful to have that like 10 minutes you know from the house it's just been absolutely amazing so that's that's going to be basically my top wildlife sighting because I've well spent most of the last six months lying on a sofa However, I do have a, a wildlife hearing, if that's a thing. So it seems that our tawny owls are getting active again, and I've been hearing them quite a lot recently. Either when I go to bed, or sometimes in the middle of the night if I'm up, and they haven't quite started at their, their five o'clock in the afternoon yet. That normally comes a bit later on in the year. But yeah, they, they're definitely making themselves heard, let's put it that way. And that that's kind of it for me. I'm afraid. Yeah, I heard the tawny owls at work calling a few weeks ago, but they've gone quiet again now, which is interesting. But I haven't been out and about there much recently. But anyway, onto my sightings. It's fungi, mould, to give it its correct term. I just annoyed every mycologist listening to the show. I'm only joking. I have two. I've got into my fungi a bit more this year. It's been really good. I've had loads of species. Trying to think of all the names of them now, <laughs> but I, it turns out I can't remember the names of fungi. I, I, you know, I can see the species, I can look at it, and when you're leading a fungi walk, that can be quite awkward. It turns out, but I've had loads of lovely mycenas and got some really great pictures of them. Me funnel, you know, I don't think anything particularly amazing or rare, but it's just been all the rain we've had recently has just in November made the fungi pop up everywhere, which is really nice. And I've seen no less than three woodcock in the last week as well at work. Oh, we've got a bit of a damp woodland there. So, yeah, and I had, I had my best ever view of one. And one flew past, I could clearly see the long beak and the, the large body size compared to a snipe. And the only other things I can think of, really, I've got a nice hooper swan on a quick visit to Rye Meads. And I've got what was probably my last dragonfly of the year, which was a common data, unsurprisingly right before I dropped my Panasonic GH5 camera on the floor and broke it. So that was not so good. (laughs) You know, at least it lasted the whole Dragonfly tour and then right at the end, (laughs) I killed the poor thing. At least it made it through the tour. It did. And at least it wasn't my GH6, which would have been a lot more expensive to get repaired. Yes. We have got a lot of news to share with you guys. The story I'm going to start with is the gamekeeper from Wheating, Norfolk, that pleaded guilty to killing six buzzards, a goshawk, by placing poison baits, being in possession of a banned poison strychnine, of using firearms to kill birds of prey, and releasing pheasants on a special protected area. What do you reckon his sentence was, Vic? I'm going to go community hours. Yeah, 
200 hours of community punishment and fine of a whopping £692. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And you think about it, the RSVP investigation team and police have put in loads of work to get that prosecution. The odds of trying to find, you know, and catch people in the act of all these things is pretty low because they're in a generally fairly isolated area. Not many people around to witness crimes taking place. And it's hardly going to be any deterrent to someone that wants to do the same, is it, really? So, No. Oh, there we go. But, moving on to another story. And I promise you there are some positive ones coming up, so hang on in there. Just before the 31st of October, the government delayed the publication of its clean water and biodiversity targets. So they missed the deadline. So it's now in breach of its own Environment Act. And Theresa Kofi, who is the new Environment Secretary has made an announcement on Elms, which will be, there will be an announcement on Elms in the new year. (laughs) And she went on to say, I'm not going to pretend we're going to hit the ground running, but there will be a much clearer pathway along with the environmental improvement plan. So this whole Elms thing being cancelled, which was part of the attack on nature, hopefully they haven't cancelled it, but we're going to have to wait even longer for them to tell us what the plan is to make it happen Meanwhile, we've got loads of farmers and landowners sitting there not knowing what they've got to do to get money, if they're going to get money to help wildlife and stop flooding and stuff like that. Yeah, just, you know, these people are trying to make a living. They're going to start going down routes that aren't as environmentally friendly if they have to. You know, they've got to survive. So the government needs to pull their finger out there. As usual, more illegal fox hunting going on, more trespassing. Last month, they trespassed on a Wildlife Trust nature reserve. Paul Masters tweeted a picture of the fox hunt behind the sign you get as you go into the nature reserve. He wrote, Fox hunters at Coombe Hill Meadows. Whole pack of dogs, quad bikes charging about on the reserve. Teal and widgeon everywhere going mad. But you've got some much more positive news, haven't you, Vic? Yeah, and Neil's been really kind and given me most of the positive stories, which is very nice. I just like him. to moan, that's <laughs> I don't have the energy or the breathing capabilities to do that right now. Okay, so our first, I don't know if you call this a positive news story, it's certainly a very, very interesting one. Maybe positive for for one one animal involved and not so positive for the other one. And this is actually a tweet that was shared by Wildlife Lucy, and it was a newt caught in a spider's web. And in her tweet she said, This is not what I was expecting to find this afternoon by my back door. Did you know that spiders can catch newts in their webs? Incredible to see, definitely worthy of Halloween horror. And she went on to check her trail cam and footage showed that the newt is caught and what looks like a noble false widow spider comes out and subdues it. The newt looks like an adult smooth newt. It died soon after the video, so looks like the spider did predate it. So it was not an accident. And this follows on from a case of pipistrelle bats being eaten by a false widow in Ireland. And a few years ago, there was a case of a common lizard being captured by a wasp spider. So it's not just in tropical countries, amphibians and reptiles have to watch out for spiders. I didn't put that in there, not to distress you, but someone posted a picture of a toadlet in a spider's web, but the person rescued it. But the thing is also toadlets are considerably smaller than an adult news. Yeah, it's, it's hard to juggle a scale on that video, but it, it looked like it had the male coloration it has this time, you know, when all the crest and mm. stuff has died down. You can see spots on it, so... Yeah, it probably wasn't like a full-grown, massive smooth newt, but, you know, they're, they're still reasonably sized for a spider, anyway. Yeah. Another positive news story. And don't worry, nothing's being eaten in this one. Two new populations of one of Britain's rarest beetles have been discovered in Devon. 
The rare blue ground beetle has been found at two sites on Dartmoor, thanks to the efforts of bug life staff, volunteers and local naturalists. Blue ground beetle was only known from 13 sites in Devon, Cornwall and South Wales. And this species is the UK's largest ground beetle, growing up to 38 millimetres in length and is mostly nocturnal and feeds on slugs. Welcome in my garden anytime. Yeah, it'd be welcome in most <laughs> gardens, wouldn't it? <laughs> This is the one that Nick Baker would quite often talk about on his Instagram lives that he'd go out and see. And I think there's a gin named after it, isn't there? Yes, yes, I think there is. Which goes towards funding this sort of work. So that if you bought any of that gin, you probably helped with finding this new site. So well done to you. <laughs> Keep drinking that gin. Anyway, talking of sewage, it continues to pour into our rivers and seas. Even tourist spots are not safe now as shown by the footage of brown water filling the bay at St Agnes Beach. Southern Water responded saying a storm overflow was triggered due to heavy rain, but locals say the rainfall was not that heavy and questioned whether that was a really a legitimate reason for them to release it. The next day on BBC News, the Environment Minister Mark Spencer was repeating the claim before he quickly deflected blame saying we can all help as individuals and pointing to people having downpipes from their roofs that go into the sewers and not the groundwater pipes started waffling the journalist to his credit stopped him waffling and asked him what are the government going to do about it it isn't getting any better is it and he insisted it is getting better so you know enjoy the sewage in your rivers everybody and Anglian Water were fined £560,000 for releasing sewage into Essex waterways a couple of years ago. The court case finally came through, which amounts to less than half of the £1.3 million the CEO earned last year. So I'm sure that will really deter them from doing it again. And best of all, the whole thing could have been prevented had Anglian Water paid £250 for software to keep an eye on the discharge. Anyway, you've got a nice negative story as well. I have, yeah. I guess I have to do one, don't I? And this is unfortunately about the badger coal and it's been expanded to 11 new areas and will likely mean the total number of badgers killed will surpass 200,000. Some of you may remember in the past this has come up before, but perhaps triggered by the recent attack on nature the government's carrying out, there is the plans to put a tidal barrage across the whole of the wash from Hunstanton in Norfolk to Skegness in Lincolnshire have been announced again and they've branded it a green energy scheme because it's going to have tidal generators in there but it also happens to include a road and ports and they're, they're claiming it will be a flood defence as well for the land behind it from storm surges. Of course, the RSOB, Norfolk Wildlife Trust, Lincolnshire Wildlife Trust, Wildfire and Wetland Trust and the Wild Ken Hill Estate, along with anyone with any common sense, are objecting to this plan. In a statement this group released, they said the wash is the UK's most important estuary for wild birds, home to England's largest common seal colony and an important fishery. The tidal barrage would fundamentally alter the nature of the intertidal habitats on which this wildlife depends. They also pointed out um, it could actually cause flooding in some areas, which if anyone knows how the storm surge works, the water's got to go somewhere. So if you put a barrage right away across the wash, that takes out a large area for the water to go. So it's got to go somewhere. And the places on the outside of the barrage are going to get very, very wet. I promise you there's a lot more positive stories coming. Here's another bad one, which is very close to my heart, as you'll find out why very soon. 
the National Highways, which used to be Highways England and changed their name at great cost, have resubmitted plans for the Lower Thames crossing, which is a plan to build a tunnel to the east of the current crossing at Dartford with connecting roads that cut right through South Essex and through North Kent, including areas of grazing marsh and ancient woodland. The Woodland Trust, Essex and Kent Wildlife Trusts, Campaign for Rural England, Bug Life, along with Transport Action and the Thames Crossing Action Group, have all voiced concerns about the project. I'm obviously aware of this because it literally goes within a mile of my home, one of the roads. And at the time of public consultation, what was then Highways England hadn't even contacted the Essex Field Club, who hold something like 90-95% of all the wildlife records in the county, and had instead gone to a, a centre with a lot less records. The Field Club contacted them to tell them they didn't have the data and they just ignored them, basically. So I challenged them on Twitter when I found this out and they said, oh, we've done a full survey. We know what the environmental impact will be. But when I told them that I was part of the Essex Field Club and had talked to the Essex Records Office, who actually hold the records, the Field Club sort of helped run it, they suddenly backtracked and said, oh, oh no, it'll be included in the final report. But this was at a time of public consultation when the public were being asked their views and they didn't have the full information because they hadn't got it. So I don't trust a word they say, as you can probably imagine. And I'm not the only one. Jack Taylor, the lead campaigner for the Woodland Trust, voices concerns. He said, we're still waiting to find out just how much the scheme will impact our natural environment. National Highways has not disclosed the details of which environmental features will be affected. Hiding these impacts from the public until the DCA stage is totally unacceptable. Craig McAdam, Conservation Director at Bug Life and generally all-round top bloke, said... We've seen so many important habitats for insects and other wildlife lost in the Thames estuary in recent decades, and the Lower Thames Crossing is potentially the biggest and most impactful of them all. The nationally important invertebrate populations in the estuary are once again under threat, and it simply cannot be right for a decision to be made without all the information being available. He's spot on there. Right next to the crossing it was the former Tilbury Power Station site, which was one of the richest invertebrate sites in the country and was on course to be an SSSI. And they've just built a port on it and warehouses. Yeah, he, he's spot on there. And of course, the Swanscombe Peninsula is under threat on the opposite shore from a theme park. So if they build the Low Thames Crossing as well as this theme park, there's basically going to be invertebrate habitat in the Thames estuaries. Yep, it's all around bad news. And Hilary Newport, Director for Campaign for Rural England Kent, also said they're frustrated by the lack of key information provided at every stage and pointed out that the last consultation was back in 2018 and they've changed the design massively since then. And Laura Blake, the chair of the Thames Crossing Action Group, who works her socks off, to be it politely, over this, has said the proposed Lower Thames Crossing is hugely destructive and harmful project on so many levels. It fails to meet the scheme's objectives and would not solve the problems associated with the Dartford Crossing, which she's pointing out there, basically, that it would just cause more traffic along the A13 and various other places. So um, I might sound like a NIMBY, but it is an absolutely ridiculous and stupid plan. Perhaps the crossing does need more capacity, but it would make more sense to put it down near the Dartford Crossing. Want to know more? Go and check out the Thames Crossing Action Group page. But yes, you've got some nice new positive news, haven't you? Vic? I have, yes. And this is about the Wilder Bleen project, which released wild bison into a large enclosure at Bleen near Canterbury in Kent and have been celebrating the birth of a bison calf. The project is a joint venture between Wildwood Trust and Kent Wildlife Trust and is an experiment to see if the bison will create a more natural woodland ecosystem. I'll get to do a positive story now. 
There are plans to introduce Wildcats to Devon, which will be the first in England for over a century, and the first in southern England for about three or four hundred years, I think it is, after Vincent Wildlife Trust determined the woodland in the county had the best potential to support the species. So Devon Wildlife Trust have taken on the project, and Peter Burgess from that trust said, Preliminary feasibility studies have shown that there is a really strong potential for them in the southwest of England. Now we are bringing it to the next level, looking at any impact they would have on the ecosystem and seeing if there's support in the local community. If it goes ahead, this will be great news because it should ensure the future of the species in the UK because the Scottish population is possibly in terminal decline. I mean, I've heard the words functionally extinct used, which basically means there's still some alive, but the population won't persist for much longer. And that's due to a variety of problems, mainly persecution, getting the number down quite low in the first place, habitat loss and outbreeding and hybridisation with feral and people's outdoor pet cats as well. I think we're going to have to get someone on to talk about this, but people have been saying, oh, while they're releasing wildcats in Devon, they surely have hybridisation problems. But apparently, if there's a big enough density of wildcats, they'll breed with each other rather than feral or pet cats. So it's something to do with that, if you're wondering. And I'll just get one last negative story out. This would be a great big long story if I really went into it. But the latest wildlife crime reports come out. It's the same old story. Lots of birds of prey being killed. Lots of wildlife crime taking place. Very few prosecutions. And the usual suspects being all sceptical and going, oh, they're making up the figures. Oh, things are actually getting better. What are they on about? You're just demonising people in the countryside. But they're not demonising people in the countryside or in the industry. They're demonising the criminals that are carrying it out. And by constantly defending them blindly, that's not helping very much. But I'm going to let you do the very last positive story Vic and it's another one on birds what are you doing to me now yeah and this one is that cranes have successfully raised two chicks on RSPB snake wetlands nature reserve earlier this year they're the first ever recorded pair to fledge young on the Suffolk coast so we have a positive news story to end with but lots of negative but there's some positive stuff out there so I haven't lost hope entirely and there is, I'm just going to put this in here. I'm not going to mention what the story is. You're going to have to go and look for it. But I have shared it on both my Twitter accounts. And the reason I'm not going to put it, tell you what, like the whole details of it, is because it's not actually UK wildlife. But it's actually a success story involving frogs in Switzerland and the building of ponds. Now, I have shared this on my forgotten, my four little creatures twitter account i've also shared it on my other account as well so it's there go and look at it because it's a beautiful positive story about how just restoring and building the ponds and not reintroducing but allowing nature to come back naturally has worked yes one of those shocking turn of events that turns out if you dig lots of ponds and leave some habitat for amphibians they go whoopee Uh, and make lots more exactly so So, yeah um, go check it out it's uh it's a wonderful success story from Switzerland, which is my kind of partially second home right now. We do have some podcast news, some really good news, actually. We passed 200,000 downloads. What, over three years? So that is amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh, fun fact. We've actually had one more episode than I've been counting because I made a boo-boo when we did the anniversary episode last year and I counted the the two part one and part two as the same number which i don't normally do and nobody's pointing that out yet so i uh, could have got away with it <laughs> if you did spot it let us now know you've just told everyone neil <laughs> i know but it was my boo-boo so i don't mind 
We need to cover some thank yous. Some of you lovely listeners have been donating to us through our Buy Me A Coffee account. So thank you to Green Hombre. Someone else has donated £3 as well. Big thank you to Roman and Tweed Ecology who both donated £15 each. So thanks so much for that, guys. Much appreciated. And a big thank you to Louise who has become a podcast supporter. And I'll probably mention it again later, but there are some cool perks coming for podcast supporters if all goes to plan next year. We've also had some reviews coming recently on Apple Podcasts. J.R. Hartley19 left a review saying, Amazing podcast. As a student who is currently studying wildlife, ecology and conservation at college, this podcast has really upped my street. I have been binging all the previous episodes to and from college. Love how calm it is and how knowledgeable Neil and Vic are. Absolutely love this podcast. Only found out about it this year. Absolutely amazing. Well, thank you, J.R. Hartley. That's very kind of you to say. Tamminx also left a review on Apple Podcasts saying, Love it. I can't believe I spent all the pandemic without this podcast. I don't know how I missed it. I was desperate to listen to a UK wildlife podcast. How did I miss it? I have spent many hours thoroughly enjoying catching up. Thanks so much. Well, thanks to you. Thanks for listening. And someone with the username Juicy Lucy also left a review. Great listen. Great podcast to listen to if you love nature. Thank you very much. I've also found a couple of reviews hidden away on Podbean, which I didn't realise were there. Russell Hartwell said, Fascinating interview with George. Such an interesting guy and well worth a listen. I can't wait to hear the new audiobook. Thanks for another great podcast. And that was obviously left on the episode with Dr. George McGavin. And someone called Helen has left a couple of reviews and a couple of episodes asking a bit more about the attack on nature, what the plan is. Obviously that walk was postponed till spring and she's wondering what she can put on her placard. That's the very same question I've been having actually. And she's also commented on another episode, complimenting my rants on this government. So I was quite pleased with that review. <laughs> yeah, and the Spotify raps. For those that don't know, about this time of year, every year Spotify sends you a load of stats. So if you're a listener to Spotify, they tell you what you've been listening to the most. If you have a podcast, they tell you some stats. So some stats for you just on spotify this is this is not on every platform people have listened to this podcast in 59 countries the top two were britain and ireland which probably won't shock anyone <laughs> at all we're in the top 10 percent most globally shared podcasts not the top 10 globally shared. that'd be really good 28 percent <laughs> of our listeners follow us and we're in the top five percent of the most followed podcasts so that's pretty good going i think our reviews score 4.9 out of five, I hope. Oh, I was going to say, what is that actually out of? Out of add? 20. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> and our followers are up by 80% this year. That's pretty good going. And we've had 46% more listens, which isn't too bad, considering we've put out, you know, hardly any episodes mm. compared to last year. And we're at the top 10 podcast of over 1,400 of you. And I think we're at the number one podcast for 264 of you. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening to us more than the other podcast. Take that other podcast. <laughs> yeah. 264 people like us best. <laughs> or at least listen to us most. And that's despite you not being on there, Vic. I know. Maybe I should or Maybe just... because. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was a bit mean, wasn't it? Just, I'm going to get a hate mail for saying so that. so harsh, Neil, in my delicate state. I know. Kick and wet her down. That's what you should do to your friends, isn't it? Yeah. Your right? payback is coming. Why have I got no friends? No, payback is coming big time, Neil. <laughs> when oh, I'm dear. able. Could be a what? Yeah, I should be safe for for a bit. (laughs) For a while. (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, do you want to update people what's going on, Vic? Yeah, okay. So it is good to be back now. 
like our listeners will know, I did do the special episode we did with Doug Allen in August. And that was the first one I did following my surgery at the beginning of June. Sadly, kind of towards the end or mid-August, actually a few days after we did the Doug Allen episode, things started to not quite go well, shall we say, for me. I ended up coming home from Switzerland early, spent my birthday in hospital with some complications. I will leave it at that. And unfortunately, they haven't eased. So I'm still pretty much sofa bound and still struggling to get to the bottom of what's going on, which is why my talking and breathing is a bit laboured. But I am managing to do a little bit of work. So I'm I'm back needle felting and drawing and I'm really enjoying that and I'm creating lots of new animals and at the moment that's keeping me busy and, and you can see all my, my cute little animals and stuff on my woolly wildlife Instagram and I'm getting back to my drawing as well which is great but I've also done something that I've been threatening to do for I don't know how many years and that is set up a new website so most people know my website as being vixpix.com what you probably don't know is that I've had some real issues with this website over the last couple of years in particular in the (laughs) stop sniggering Neil I can hear you it basically some people cannot view my website because it shows up as having adult content or being a pornographic site now yes it has got a few pictures of toads (laughs) in amplexus but I think that's pushing descriptions so porn Basically, kind of enough was enough because I've got some exciting events going on next year with different companies and organisations that I've finally done it after owning the domain name for ForgottenLittleCreatures.com for about three years, probably more. It's now live. So my brand new website is ForgottenLittleCreatures.com. I'm gradually moving everything over to it. It's live. It's got information about the project. It's got some photos. I'm gradually moving the articles over and as of March 2023 my old VixPix site will fade into the shadows and be no more so that website actually isn't going to exist anymore come March and everything is going to be put into Forgotten Little Creatures and I'm going to be working pretty much most of my efforts will be going on that any bird or mammal or tree photography I do or any landscape photography that I do if I do any landscape photography I'm still going to share those images but they'll be purely through my social media so that's kind of you know where I'm at I've been working away on that and I've got plans for the project and I'm hopefully going to have some exciting news with with regards to my needle felting and possibly my drawing in the new year as well so but you're going to have to stay tuned for that one because I won't be releasing any details on any of my channels until that's all confirmed and going ahead but that's kind of where I'm at I mean it's nice to be back I'm not going to be back for every episode sadly I will be around for hopefully more than half yeah that's what we're going for yeah we're kind of taking each one as it goes at the moment as just see how I feel when it comes around to recording them at the moment but for everyone that has sent messages kind of still been there and supporting both me and Neil through all this because Neil's done an amazing job keeping the podcast going on his own without me. Because I can't even sit... It's been a lot easier, to be honest. Oh, thanks, Neil. <laughs> is, I was going to be really nice and go, you just, you know, just say thank you so much to everyone. It does really mean the world to me to have that support. Because it's, you know, I'm going through a pretty horrific time right now with no real end in sight. So it's nice to be back on the podcast and kind of have that as something to at least take my mind off it for now. Hard to follow that, really. <laughs> I have tweaked my website and put a few new talks. If anyone wants any talks, but I do Zoom talks now. Me too, book me, I do talks. Yeah, 
No, but we, but we. Book us both. Yeah, book us both. But yes, I've been trying to improve my video editing and filming and stuff. So I've been adding to my YouTube channel. I've put a thing about the Pro Blends on there and a couple of wildlife trips because I can edit them quite quickly. Because obviously time's been of the essence recently. So I, when it gets a bit late and I've finally, <laughs> about the only time I've got time to do stuff, I find I can concentrate on video editing better than researching for podcasts, which is why we haven't had anything. We did have another, we did have another plan. It sadly didn't come through. It would have been really good if it did. But watch this space. It might come through. But we've, we've got some plans for the new year, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah. Got some great guests lined up. Got a pondy one. We've got some wildlife gardening, which if you listen to other podcasts, you might hear some familiar voices. My infamous dog episode is nearly, nearly ready. And I've started the cats one as well, because I want to make sure that I alienate all the dog and cat people that listen to this podcast. So no, no, I will I will be hitting it scientifically as possible and be as fair as I can. And yes, we have some plans. If you become a member of our Buy Me A Coffee group, we are going to do the, you know, have a chat with me and Vic thing we've just been waiting for Vic to be well enough to do it and it's sort of not really happened but we've got a few things planned so it might be worth becoming a member soon it's worth becoming a member anyway because you help support the podcast I just had to buy a new microphone so you know please donate (laughs) so I don't go bankrupt I did mention on Twitter that I started to work out how much money this had cost compared to how much it earned and then the numbers went into triple figures and kept going up and I decided to stop at that point so Someone did ask me, oh, how much do you make from your podcast the other day? And I was like, minus. <laughs> and I, I can't remember how many hundreds it was now. But yes, it's not, not great. But I, that's why I appreciate every donation we got. I appreciate everyone can contribute. A big thank you to all you that have, like I said earlier, have donated. It's been gratefully received and some really lovely comments with them, which I'll read out in the next episode. But I think we're just waffling now and there's a lot for me to edit. So I think we might stop there. When you say we're waffling. Yeah, no, it's me. <laughs> but that's all our kind of like catch-up news and everything. Like I said, hopefully I'm going to be around. Not for every episode. Neil is definitely doing the dogs and cats on his own because I just can't deal with that right now. I'm sure you have no problem with that, Neil. Nope. Yeah, I mean, like Neil said, just a big thank you to everyone because it really does help us keep this podcast going. Just you know, a retweet, a share on Facebook. And don't forget to send us your questions as well we've not had any viewer questions for a while so so yeah you got any questions just ping them over and we'll you know we'll get those answered on future episodes and also if you want a shout out for anyone same thing just drop us a message and we'll get that sorted for you yeah and if you've got any requests on topics do send them in we've had a, a couple of good requests so on the list now are parakeets and antlions so thanks to the I forgot to write down who sent me those things but when we do the episode I'll try and make sure I mention your name I've already started research on both of those topics there's a sneak preview of what's coming up should we finish it there? I think we should. All right, thanks for listening, guys. All right, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the UK Wildlife Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast service you use. You can follow us on Twitter at UK Wildlife Pod, or one word. Or on Instagram at UK Wildlife Podcast. And like us on our Facebook page, UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can also post to the UK Wildlife Podcast community group. If you would like to share your wildlife news or sightings with us on Instagram or Twitter, then please tag us in the post and use the hashtag UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can now support us through our Buy Me A Coffee account, which you can find at buymeacoffee.com forward slash UK Wildlife Pod, where you can give us a one-off bit of support or join our membership scheme. Head there to find out more. This episode was edited by Neil Phillips and music is by Oscar Henderson. You can find him on Instagram at oscar.creates.